the Lord Almighty. He is the King of glory. The second reading is from Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 to 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After 40 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended to him. Let us pray. Father, I pray that you would open the eyes of our hearts that we'd be able to see and receive what it is that you have for us today from your word. Amen. I don't know about you, but I love January. It brings with it a gift of time with the break from our usual routines and busyness. I enjoy having time to read, especially to read about what God is doing in his wider church. But this year, as I read various articles, I found people kept quoting Psalm 24. Some even saying Psalm 24 for 2024. So I thought I'd better spend some time looking at this psalm again. And so I made a to-do list with that at the top of it. Have you ever experienced God moving ahead of you? Within two hours I had an email from Glenn looking for a preacher on anything you like, he said. I'm sure you're familiar with Psalm 24. It's very well known. I've actually run several retreats based around the psalm. But every time God brings something to our mind, I want to say, Lord, what have you got to say today? It may not be what he said last time. What do you want us to emphasize? So I started reading. 
The earth is the Lord's. Go with the next plate, please. Mary, thank you. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Well, it's speaking of God, the creator, isn't it, who owns his entire creation. He's proclaiming his ownership over everything, absolutely everything that he has made. But as I read it, what I heard in my mind was, the land is mine. It doesn't belong to one side or the other. It's mine. We can't watch the news without being confronted with wars over land and violence on many fronts. So how do we respond to this pain? What do we say? All the land is the Lord's, but we know that he has a special fondness for his land that he gave to the people of Israel long ago. And he's a covenant God and he doesn't break his promises. We also know in Joel chapter 3, he actually says that the nations will be judged on how they divided up my land. It's an interesting verse there. What can we know for certain? We can know that God claims ownership of all land, all people, all the resources that he's provided for us. We also know that he determines the boundaries of the lands. In Acts 17 we read, From one man God made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. And why did he do this? He did it so that the people would seek him and perhaps reach out to him and find him. Though he's never far from any one of us. God's goal is for people everywhere to meet him, the Prince of Peace. God determines who will rule. And he intends those that rule will steward the land and its resources for the welfare of all the people who live in it. And that's why in Christianity we have such an emphasis on the welfare of people, and especially the poor. In contrast, other belief systems use people to get control, especially to control land. Our problem is our Western-trained minds often underestimate the spiritual battle that is affecting our world. The Bible tells us the battle is not with people, it's with the powers, the principalities and powers. The enemy's plans to stir up jealousy, offence, strife, bitterness, division and lawlessness. The enemy wants to hinder God's purposes and plans. When we know our Old Testaments, we realise that God tells the people of Israel to demolish all the high places, the altars that have been set up to worship false gods from the people before them. They were told to not intermarry with other people in the land. This is not to make them an elite group, but it was to prevent the idol worship from being brought into their camp, into their homes, and contaminate their worship. You see, land can be blessed or cursed, 
depending on what takes place in it. Here's some real life stories. Now you've probably heard of farmers who have said that a plague or an insect or something that's been on neighbouring crops hasn't affected their crops. They have actually prayed the boundaries of their place and the insects haven't been able to come in. But you may not have heard of these other ones. It was probably about 20 years ago now, the Allendale Revival in Illinois, USA. And New Zealand was actually involved in leading this, and uh, he's actually been in our diocese and friends of colleagues. He said the revival was in a country church, and the paddocks around the church, and then the corn grew much higher than in the paddocks that were further away. They saw it as a blessing that changed as revival broke out amongst the people. The land surrounding that area was also blessed. In January, I was talking to a colleague who had a really interesting story. And it's only a couple of months old. She said she was taken out to a place where the animals were only eating grass on one half of the paddock. A prayer team spent three hours discerning what the spiritual issues were on that land and dealing with them. And very soon after, a change was reported to them. About five years ago, I was told of a home here in Blenheim that had disturbances. And they asked some clergy to go in and pray. And it turned out a souvenir had been brought back from Africa. And with it came an African spirit that was soon dealt with. We need to understand these are very real and they affect us here. Why God is particularly abhorred by pagan worship is it usually involves the sacrifice of children and also sexual sin which is a way demonic spirits can be transferred very easily. Now in our second reading, you might have wondered how it fitted in with Psalm 24. We heard Satan tempting Jesus saying, I will give you all the kingdoms of the world if you worship me. You see, Satan's always been after the kingdoms of the world. And I think he knew in Jesus that he was about to lose what he had gained. He wants to establish his rulership over the land by whatever means possible. Now the good news for us, living on this side of the cross, with the death and resurrection of Jesus, the battle has been won. The only way Satan has legal right to enter into our world is when people invite him, either through idol worship or through sin. When sin is legalized in a nation, then Satan has legal entry into that land. In New Zealand, we have laws that the Bible calls sin. Have our next plate, please, Mary. Right, the second part of the psalm is talking about holiness, what God requires of us. 
who may ascend the mountain of the Lord, who may stand in his holy place, who may have access unto God. Only those with clean hands and pure heart. Interesting, clean hands to me speaks about doing. We have to do right. Pure heart is thinking and feeling right. If we want to clarify that, we can go to Psalm 15. And it starts in a similar vein. And it talks about, what does it mean? It means those that, whose walk is blameless, who does what is right, who speaks the truth from their heart, who doesn't slander, does no wrong to a neighbour, doesn't slur on others, those who despise a vile person, those who honour those who fear the Lord, those who keep their promise, those who don't change their mind, those who lend money to the poor without interest, those who won't accept a bribe against the innocent. See, righteousness and holiness is not based on our societal norms. It's not based on what makes us feel good or our opinions. Jesus is calling us to a much higher level of holiness. Now, we probably heard that God's judgment always starts within his own house with his people. Now, over the last few years, we've actually witnessed the public exposure of sin in the church through the Royal Commission and the need for us as a wider body to put that right. In the news now, every day, we're seeing exposures of injustices on so many levels all over the world. You see, Jesus is getting us ready for what's coming next, both personally and as a body of his people. So let's ask the Holy Spirit to show us if there's anything in our life that we haven't seen before that's for preventing us from coming closer to him. Next one, please, Mary. Mary, thank you. So the final part of the psalm is welcoming the King of glory. Lift up your heads, you gates, be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. It's poetic form. But it's thought that David wrote this psalm to celebrate the return of the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. See, 20 years earlier, their enemies, the Philistines, had captured the Ark, thinking it would bring them blessing but they soon realized it did exactly the opposite and promptly got rid of it. And the ark sat in the countryside of Israel for many years. You can read the story in 2 Samuel 6. So the return of the ark to Jerusalem was a really important occasion and it brought the whole city together to celebrate. To the people, the return of the ark to Jerusalem symbolized God's presence returning to Israel. So the psalmist goes on to ask the people, who is this king of glory? And the people would have shouted out, the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. How often do we picture God as almighty, the warrior king, strong and mighty in battle, the Lord of hosts, the commander of the angelic armies, are we more comfortable with the image of Jesus in Psalm 23 
as the shepherd, the comforter, the healer, the provider, our friend. All these images are true. Different seasons will have a different emphasis. Now these last few verses get repeated, and when they're repeated, it means that they're important. I want you to note, who is he, the king of glory? And the people would have shouted, the Lord Almighty, he is the king of glory. The psalm also has a prophetic element to it. It points to the future when Jesus would enter Jerusalem on Palm Sunday as King Jesus. Jesus is the only one who actually fulfills that requirement of having clean hands and a pure heart. But this psalm also speaks to us today. It's an invitation for us to allow the Spirit of God to enter into us individually to search us. Individually, corporately and nationally. He wants to cleanse us so that we'll be able to come closer to God. He wants us to be able to fulfill the purposes that he has for his body. The church is to actually rule and reign with him. And we can't do this while there's unholiness amongst us. Let us ask God to show us what it means to follow him as a warrior king. Next one, please, Mary. So how do we respond? As God's people, as followers of Jesus, we are called to pray. And we have this wonderful prayer chain in our parish where pastoral needs are prayed for faithfully. Glenn has been advertising a new prayer time starting tomorrow, as we've heard, in the hall, 7 o'clock. And he's asked us to pray, especially there for church and community. But I think it's also a place for those that are called to pray for wider prayers. And God will put on your heart where he's actually calling you to focus your attention. We need to pray for New Zealand. We need to pray for wisdom for the government and all those in positions of authority. For those that are in positions of authority have the ability to be gateways through which blessing or curses will come to our country, depending on the decisions they make. We need to pray for our land, for security at the borders. We need to pray the Lord would expose any of the, the plans of the enemy. It's interesting through scripture, we read that Israel was safe as long as they were faithful to God and they worshipped him. When they forgot him and started going other ways, then the enemy started picking on them. It took them a long time to understand that actually it's their faithfulness to God that was keeping them safe. So pray that as a nation we will fulfill our God-given destiny. God determines the nations and their boundaries and he has purposes for each nation. We know we've been given a land that has been blessed to be able to provide food for ourselves and others. Pray that that would flourish. Pray for our economy. Pray for wisdom for small business entrepreneurs. Pray for wisdom for innovation and solutions to problems. The Holy Spirit can reveal solutions to things we'd never thought about. 
But one of the things as we turn on the news every night and see what's going on in the world, I pray that we would keep close to our heart is that we need to be still and know that God is God. We can have our last plate, please, Mary. Be still and know that I am God. Even amongst what's happening around the world that is so terrible and we just see so much pain, God is still God and we are his people. So let us pray and seek his face. Seek what it is that he's requiring of us. What is he saying to us? How is he leading us? It's really important for us, for a church, for our families, for a nation at this time. Amen. Father, I know it's hard to be still and know that you're God when things are happening all around us and the pain so great. But I ask that you would just hang on to us there so that we can make that a reality in our lives and that we can take that peace to those around us who do not know you yet. Amen.